Well, good morning, LaSalle Street Church. And those of you joining us as part of the broader beloved community of faith, we welcome you to this morning at LaSalle. We are indeed grateful for your presence and continued engagement as we together work through this very difficult and challenging time of social distance and practicing safe and courageous wisdom. For those of you who were able to join us last week for our Resurrection Sunday celebration, we want to say thank you. It's because of you and your support that our service and the effort put into it was so successful. Now, as is our custom, gather your young ones together so that we can pray over them as we begin. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we thank you for these children, for your word says to suffer not the little children to come unto you. We pray that their ears be open and their hearts be softened now, that the hearing and the sharing of your word would penetrate their hearts, Lord God, and lead them and guide them into all truth. We thank you for them, God, and we thank you for the nurturing and the care that is responsible for them. We lift all of them to you now. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. The children can enjoy Children's Church with Pastor Pam at the link that is provided. Today we continue to journey with our resurrected king as we metaphorically place ourselves in the sandals of antiquity as it relates to those who were closest to our risen king, his disciples. These disciples had just experienced the most terrifying and unprecedented time of crisis in their lives. Sisters and brothers, it goes without saying that we too are presently living in and enduring an unprecedented time of crisis that has literally changed the very core of our existence. However, during this resurrection season, it's imperative that we remind ourselves that our experience now is almost identical to that of the one the disciples experienced on the skull-shaped hill in Jerusalem called Calvary. The Calvary experience was an unprecedented time of crisis for all those who believed. However, it didn't end with death. It began with life and that more abundantly. Therefore, with the time allotted to me today, I would like to use as a subject from which to preach deputies of heaven. Deputies of heaven. Please pray with me. God, you are here, and the preaching moment has arrived. We purposely decrease now that you might increase in us. Our prayer is for you to be glorified, for your people to be edified, and for Satan to continuously be horrified by the breathed out word of the living God. 
We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was resting well, fast asleep, and all of a sudden I was awakened by the glaring ringing sound of our home phone echoing throughout the house. When I picked up the phone and listened to the information the caller shared on the other end, my body immediately became frozen in motion, leaving me speechless for a matter of seconds before I could muster the words, what happened, who's with you, and I'm on my way. At 6.01 on April 1st, 2009, my mother called to inform me that the mentor I had known and grown up with for the last 45 years of my life had made his transition in his sleep. Sisters and brothers, this man was everything to me. He was my teacher, my provider, my counselor, my godly example, my quarterback, my letter writer, my backgammon partner, my publicist, my carrier when I was too young to walk, and my support when I was old enough to walk but stumbled and fell. But most of all, John Henry Blakey was my father. And this was my unprecedented time of crisis. After I rushed to the house to be with mom, I realized that the final school bell had sounded and that this earthly class, as I had known it for the last 45 years, had suddenly but silently come to a close. As I stood holding the cool hand of my paternal life coach whose earthly teaching tenure had just terminated, I understood and I said my last goodbyes. I stepped back with mom and others to watch as dad's remains were hoisted onto the gurney and taken to his next class. As the bedroom cleared, and I stood alone at the foot of the bed, I was immediately stricken by my peripheral vision, which drew my attention to the floor just to the right of me. On the floor just to the right of me stood what stands before you now, the last pair of shoes worn by my father the night before he made his transition. As my entire being fixated on these shoes. It was as if my father began to deputize me as he spake through them saying, son, everything you've heard me say, everything you've seen me do, in every place that you've witnessed me walk has prepared you for such a time as this. 
I've already said everything I need to say. I've already done everything I needed to do. And I've already gone everywhere I've needed to go. The only question that remains is whether or not you are willing to continue this journey on the path that I've carved out for you. It was at this moment that I found myself lying down on the same bed and in the same position where my father had previously laid just minutes prior. Soon a peace that transcends all understanding began to cover me. As the spirit of grace would say, be still and know that I am indeed God. And it is I and I alone who knows the end of a thing from the beginning. For I am indeed the way, the truth, and the life for everyone who's willing to believe and to endure. This is why I called my servant John to me at the beginning of the day, because while it represented the end of one earthly journey, it was also the beginning of a new earthly journey for you. All of a sudden, it began to dawn on me that every experience I shared with my father and every example he provided for me was actually the standard by which I would have to walk if I were willing to continue my earthly journey on the path that my father had already carved out for me. Sisters and brothers, I believe this is identical to what the disciples of antiquity experienced in our text today. You see, Jesus doesn't just show up in the midst of unprecedented crisis to exacerbate the difficulty. Jesus shows up in the midst of unprecedented crisis to deputize us for the continuation of his work in earth, even as it is in heaven. What does it mean to be a deputy? A deputy is a, point, is a person that is appointed and authorized to act as a substitute for another. A person that is appointed and authorized to act as a substitute for another. Sisters and brothers, Jesus comes today as he came in the 20th chapter of John to console us with his peace, commission us with his purpose, and counsel us with his power. Let me say that again. He comes to console us with his peace, commission us with his purpose, and counsel us with his power. Here in the 19th verse of the 20th chapter, authored by John, we find the disciples devastated, confused, and quarantined due to the unprecedented crisis they had just experienced. The person who walked with them, who talked with them, broke bread with them, and served as their teacher, their provider, 
their counselor, their godly example, their mentor, their quarterback, their letter writer, their partner, their publicist, and the carrier when they were too, long, too young to trust and obey, and the person who represented their support when they were old enough to walk but stumbled anyway, that person, Jesus the Christ, was crucified, died, and was buried, but now he's missing. The tomb is empty. And I can imagine that the disciples sitting there full of fear with their head in their hands, asking themselves, what do we do now? How do we continue? Our Savior is gone. The person that we've walked with for these three years, the person that we've seen cast out devils, the person that we've seen raise the dead, the person that we've seen give sight to the blind, the person that we've seen made the lame walk, he's now gone. What will we do now? And because Jesus was not only the son of man, but also the son of God, Jesus knew precisely what state of mind the disciples were in. Likewise, he knew exactly what to say and exactly what to do. Jesus doesn't just leave them in despair, but rather shows up in the midst of unprecedented crisis to console them and says, Peace be with you. If you recall in John chapter 14, Jesus was preparing them for his departure and he says, peace, I give you my peace, I leave with you. See, sisters and brothers, this wasn't just ordinary peace. This is referred to in seminary circles as the legacy of peace. This is the kind of peace that makes you unmanageable by the devil. Did you hear me? I said, this is the kind of peace that makes you unmanageable by the devil. In other words, whatever is presented to you cannot knock you off of your square. It's the same kind of peace that enabled Jesus to walk out of town when they were running after him, stoning him, trying to stone him, to kick him out of town. He shows up in the midst of unprecedented crisis. And he says, peace be with you. Now, from a practical point of view, this is important. Because clinical psychologist, Dr. Paul Harris, many of you know Paul, he's a member of our congregation. He informs us that whenever our natural bodies experience something new or we endure dramatic change, it will take us some time to adjust to a new normal. Whenever we experience dramatic change, it's going to take some time to adjust to a new normal. So it's okay 
if you've become anxious because of what's going on right now, it's okay even if fear set in initially. It's okay if you really didn't know what to do and you were asking yourself the question, what do we do now? Because it's perfectly normal for us to have to adjust to anything that is new. One human method of addressing this kind of sudden change is referred to as diaphragmatic breathing. This is where you breathe in through your nose deeply. You count to three and then you release slowly through your mouth. This is a calming mechanism that helps to restore a sense of peace. This is a calming mechanism that I would encourage you to practice regularly as we're going through this season of restrictions and isolation. Jesus understood this peace and encourages you and I today to not be overly anxious for anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making your requests known unto God. And he in return will cause the peace of God that transcends all understanding to keep your heart and even your mind in Christ Jesus. The next thing Jesus comes to do is commission the disciples with purpose, saying, as the Father has sent me, I now am sending you. That's good news. As the Father has sent me, I now am sending you. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus proclaimed that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, sisters and brothers, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord doesn't just mean that you have to stand in a pulpit with a collar. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord means that when the poor have needs, you are meeting the needs of the poor. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord uh, of the Lord means that when racism raises its ugly head, that you're speaking with a loud voice against it with the anti voice. It's a time of speaking truth to power. When I was reminded of this, I thought of these shoes that began to speak to me on that April 1st, 2009 morning. You see, to walk in these shoes is no small task. 
Because the man that walked in these shoes loved unconditionally, shared uncontrollably, motivated unwaverly, unwaveringly, and served his God and humankind uncompromisingly. The truth of the matter, though, was the fact that I had walked next to the man who filled these shoes, just as the disciples walked with Jesus. As a father to a son, to walk in these shoes meant to allow me to ride on my father's back for hours in pools and oceans all over the world when I was too young to swim. To walk in these shoes meant to frequently take, my, take me to Operation Breadbasket in the early 70s on Saturday mornings to help me better understand the significance of serving community to the value of giving and caring for others and the honor of being black and proud. To walk in these shoes meant to take me to church every Sunday morning, come rain, shine, sleet, or snow. To walk in these shoes meant not only to stand in line for hours to purchase Jackson 5 tickets at the amphitheater, but also to stand and allow me to sit on his shoulders throughout the entire concert because I was too short to see above the other patrons. To walk in these shoes meant to drive me and my five-piece drum set to every concert, church service, or basketball game where I had to share my musical gift. To walk in these shoes meant to march right alongside every marching drumline I've ever been on in high school, for parades and football games, and in college for every homecoming. To walk in these shoes meant to always be a shining example for how a healthy man should always honor and respect women. To walk in these shoes meant to always challenge yourself with the rotary four-way test whenever you stood on the threshold of major decisions. The test asked these four questions. Is it the truth? Is it fair for all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And fourth, will it be beneficial to all concerned? Let me read those one more time. Is it the truth? Is it fair for all or to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And will it be beneficial to all concerned? Sisters and brothers, to walk in these shoes meant to possess a love for family that surpassed comprehension. To walk in these shoes meant to have relationship with your daughter that is to be cherished for a lifetime. And to walk in these shoes meant to love, smile, cry with, be proud of, and sacrifice with a wife for close to 50 solid years. As these shoes spoke to me, Jesus is speaking to you and I and saying, I've risen so that you 
can rise. Jesus is saying, I've risen so that you can rise. Rise to feed the hungry when you see them malnourished. Rise to quench the thirst of those suffering from the parchness of racism, sexism, lack of access to quality health care and education. Rise to be a voice for the voiceless. Rise to speak truth to powers willing to place economy over human existence. Rise to invite the stranger in for relationship and rise to comfort the sick when they are ill and rise to visit the prisoner when the prison cell has become their only friend. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And when you do, the God of peace will be with you. And finally, sisters and brothers, Jesus comes in the midst of this unprecedented crisis to counsel the disciples with power. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Ah, this is really good news. This is really good news because when you are in the midst of unprecedented crisis, you need a counselor. You need someone to lead you and to guide you into all truth. And that's the role in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has promised never to leave you nor to forsake you, never to loose his hold from you. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit represents your front line of defense against the enemy and the enemy's devices, particularly when you find yourself in the midst of unprecedented crisis. The Holy Spirit confirms for us that there's not one situation or circumstance that can present itself to us that God has not already created a way out. Our job is to remain peaceful long enough to hear the next instruction. God gives us everything that we need. Because we're reminded in scripture of how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And how Jesus went about doing good, healing all of those that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And sisters and brothers, I'm here today to explain to you, to encourage you and to motivate you with the truth that God is with you. God is with you in the midst of this present day storm. God is with you in the midst of being laid off from your job. God is with you in the midst of having to deal with loved ones literally being snatched from our presence. God is with you. Scripture informs in Psalms 46 that the God that we serve is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in all times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love and a spirit of sound mind. It's that sound mind that we use for such a time as this. We need the Holy Spirit's power at times like this, because when we go out to do the will and the purpose of God, you best believe that the enemy is going to show his head. And he's going to show his head similar to the way that he showed his head to this doctor in Miami. I want you to take a look at this video. I was uh, putting tents in my in my um, van, so it was nothing abnormal about that. The van is mine. It's been part of my house for over a year. Uh, he asked me if this is my house, if I lived here, you know, if I if I worked here. He's like, oh, I'm going to need to see some ID. And then he put the handcuffs on me, uh, and he led me to the front of the car, and then he started yelling at my face. If my wife wasn't there to de-escalate the situation, it definitely could have gotten out of hand. I could have been brutally hurt. I could have been shot dead. Uh, who knows? are also individuals that ride the bus, um, that sit on public benches, and, and these are also places where general the general public also is as well. And so if, you, if you're not paying close attention to the way that this population is moving, if you don't have their best interests at hand, then we're never going to get the virus under control. It's a shame because it's not just happening in Miami-Dade County, it's every major city that, that has a large homeless population. So you see, sisters and brothers, even in the midst of distraction, even in the midst of racism raising its dirty head, the Holy Spirit enables you to stay laser focused on what God has called you to do. What we've seen Jesus do, that shall we do. That's the message for us today. Jesus comes today to deputize us, to deputize us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. A deputy is someone that understands a deputy in the kingdom of God is someone who understands that they're crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless they live. But the life that they now live in the flesh, they live by the faith of the Son of God who loved them and who gave himself for them. Sisters and brothers, it's no secret that Christ has given himself to us. And he comes to us today to console us with his peace, to commission us with his purpose, and to counsel us with his power. 
as we reflect upon the role that we have to play in this hour, I want you to listen to this song and understand the importance of keeping your mind in perfect peace. And all of God's people said, Amen.